Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. How are you beautiful people doing today? My, uh, my favorite thing Sharice just said right there was my soul is happy that he has won the victory. If your soul is happy that God has won the ultimate victory, even though life is hard, let me hear you praise the Lord today. What's up, balcony people? How you guys doing today? Good? Good. Hey, can, we, I haven't done this in a while. You know, sometimes we can kind of forget this, but we still have a Kenya campus in Kenya. And uh, can we just welcome them and love on the Kenya campus? We're going to be taking a trip there later this year. If you want to go, really excited about the Hope Center and turning that place uh, possibly into a compassion site where we can continue to sponsor children around the world. Very, very excited about that. How about the online community? Can you welcome them today? Welcome. Hey, so I got a confession to make. Oh, Lord. It's, it's a confession, man. Some of you are like leaning in. I, um, I still got my Christmas decorations up. <laughs> I, I don't mean just a few. I mean like the tree is up. Christmas lights are up. Um, I got, I got, I, it's, it's all it's still decorated for Christmas. Y'all, it's February 13th. And you're like, why are you doing that? Because I can. And Christmas just kind of helps me through the winter months. Anybody else with me? It just kind of helps. I know, yeah, I don't know when. I, you know, I want to go and say out here publicly, make a commitment. My goal, <laughs> my goal is to have them down by March 1. What do you say? March one, I think, I think I can make it. Um, hey, football foul, your, your jerseys look great, by the way. Your jerseys look great. I, I'm a big Peyton Manning fan. This is when he was with the Indianapolis Colts, and then he went to Denver, and I went with Denver with him because I'm just a big Peyton Manning fan. Um, how many of you think, um, how many of you think the, the Rams are going to win today? How many of you think the Bengals are going to win? Is that that you think they're going to win or you really want them to win? Yeah, I'm with you. Like, I want them to win too, but I just don't know. Um, so we're starting a brand new series today uh, called Four Letter Words. Four Letter Words. And so many of you have been trying to guess what the word is. Um, I, I thought about, you know, maybe, maybe amen. Amen. That's a four letter word. Um, Abby. Abby, that's a four-letter word. <laughs> if you don't know who Abby is, that's, that's my dog. Um, Duke, y'all would not be happy with that. And so the, the four-letter word that um, I'm going to talk to you about today is a word that has become very, very uh, dear to my heart, and you, you might have heard me speak about it before, and I'm going to... I'm gonna, I'm going to print. Nobody writes in cursive anymore. And I was writing in cursive earlier, and, and my son was back there with the productions team, and he calls me pastor. I'm not kidding. My son, he's 16-year-old Josh. He, he says, pastor, nobody can read that. 
And I said, who invited you in here, son? And then everybody else in the production's booth chimed right in and said, no, he's got a point. So I might do cursive a little bit today, but, but for the sake of the day and age in which we live, I will print. Uh, here is the four-letter word that I believe is critical to live in this day and age. Say it out loud. One, two, three. I don't think you can make it through this world without grit. I've become a big student with grit. And maybe it's become not just a popular word with me, but if you actually follow along in our culture, grit has actually become a very popular word studied by Angela Duckworth and others who I will mention later. But the reason grit is so important is because life is just hard. Life is a challenge, and many of us know that all too well. So if you're a note taker, write this down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a way to remember the word grit. And again, I'd like to just cursive it out because I can do it faster, but I'll print it and go slow. All right? Great resolve. Take some notes on your phone or write it in your Bible. Great resolve in turmoil. That's what grit is. Grit is, say it with me, great resolve in turmoil. One more time. Great resolve in turmoil. And again, the reason this is so important is because life is hard. Life is full of turmoil. I wish it wasn't the case. And then you throw on top of that, come on, let's just keep it real for a moment. Life as you make your way through life and the aging process kicks in. Come on. Well, I used to couldn't talk about this when I started this church at the age of 30. Now I can talk about this. The aging process kicks in. And let me just tell you, as the old folks used to say, getting old ain't no fun. Right? Have you ever thought about the process by which we're born than the stages of life that we go through? Why did God do it this way? When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him, why, why, did he, why did he cause us to be born first and have all, all the fun on the front end of life? A comedian went off on this, a great riff. I thought I would share it with you. It's so good. The comedian said this, imagine, imagine my iPad just cut off. Imagine my iPad cutting off. Imagine what life would be like if time worked backwards. Get you some of this, church. He says, we've got the life cycle all backwards, he says. Here's how it should go. And I love this when I read it. You should die first. <laughs> then get out of the way. Then you live 20 years in a senior citizen home. And you wake up feeling better every day. <laughs> then you get kicked out, hello, when you're too young. And you go collect your pension. You get a gold watch on your first day of work. See? Everything works backwards. Oh, he's just getting going. Watch this. You work 40 years until you're young enough to enjoy retirement. Then you go to college. You have a great time with your friends until you're finally ready for high school. You go to grade school and you become a little kid. You get to play. You have no responsibilities. Finally, you go all the way back. You become a little baby. 
Then you crawl back in the womb and you spend your last nine months floating peacefully around and you finish up as a gleam in somebody's eye. <laughs> Come on now, that's good. That's good stuff. But life is hard. We, we laugh, but when we start to think about it, you say, wait a second, that's really not that far off, at least after you die, right? It's pretty much what the scriptures say that our destiny will actually be. It's no longer going to be death, come on, but it's going to work backwards where in eternity, stick with me, heaven and glory in God will be what we do day after day after day. Everything that's rotting and rusting, hello, is reversed and things get better with time. Every morning in the new heaven and the new earth. But until then, life's hard. And unless we learn to embrace and cultivate and nurture this, we probably won't make it in life. So life will beat us down if we let it. But it's not how hard you get hit, it's whether or not you stay down. Grit is as rare as it is important. And Paul talks to us about this in 2 Timothy. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Why don't we stand in honor of God's word today and ask God to speak to us. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Verse three, join with me in, what's that word? Join with me in what? Suffering, Suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops I love this next part, because this is what we're going to do today. We're just going to reflect on these things. Read this with me. Go. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. May God bless the reading and the hearing and the applying of his word. Amen, church? Amen. You may be seated. It's fascinating to me that the apostle Paul gives us three analogies, three images that we're going to reflect on today through the lens, through the filter of grit. The first one he says is serve and live like a good soldier. Any folks in here were soldiers or you currently are soldiers, you served our country in any capacity? Any? Yes. Can we honor those folks today? Um, 
we have a son. His name is Wesley Jacob. Let me show you a picture of Wesley. Uh, it's with my four boys. Um, Wesley is the one to my left, right beside his twin brother, Benjamin. Um, and if I'm going to show you my boys, I should show you our one and only precious daughter. This is Wesley with Anna Grace as well. Um, I, I'm sharing these with you to actually come to you in a very personal matter and ask that you pray for Wesley. Uh, Wesley is in ranger school right now. He's in nine weeks of ranger school in the mountains of Georgia in the heart of winter, and then he'll be in the swamps of Florida. And if you know anything about ranger school, you know that they try to break you down physically, spiritually, emotionally, calorie deficit. I mean, you name it, it's, it's hardcore. And he's in ranger school for nine weeks. And so I'm really coming to you as your pastor and as your friend asking you to pray for my boy. And I'm actually delivering this message kind of in honor of him today and what he's going through right now uh, to be able to protect this great country that we live in. Isn't it interesting that the Apostle Paul said that we are to live like a good soldier, like a good soldier? I, th I think I'm going to use orange in honor of the Bengals today. But the, the first thing the word of the Lord says today, I can't take it anymore. I'm going to do cursive. <laughs> he says, soldier, live like a good soldier. For those of you who are really paying attention, did you catch the second image that he gave us, the second analogy? That's right. Athlete, athlete, who, who caught the third one? Oh, you guys are awesome. Farmer. So the word of the Lord says, if you're going to go through this life and endure suffering, you've, you've got to learn how to live like a good soldier. Now, what do you know about soldiers? Here's one of the things I've learned so closely from Wesley is that soldiers, soldiers are disciplined. Everybody say discipline. Soldiers are disciplined. And you will never, I will never become a gritty person if we don't learn to embrace this idea of being disciplined. And I know discipline, talking about four-letter words, discipline can become a four-letter word to some of us, right? We, we don't like discipline. But did you know that the word disciple comes from the word discipline? And a disciple is nothing more than a disciplined follower of Jesus Christ, so discipline plays a critical role in whether or not we become gritty and can make it through the turmoil and the hardships of life. I mentioned Angela Duckworth earlier. I really would encourage you to go watch her TED Talk on grit. She says this, grit doesn't come from being a tough person. It comes from being, what church? Disciplined, passionate, for very long-term goals, having stamina, grit is sticking with your future, not just for the weeks, not just for the month, but for years and working really hard to make that future a reality. Listen in. Grit is living life like a marathon, 
not just a sprint. And Paul says, if we want to make it in this thing called life, if we want to suffer like a good soldier, we have to have discipline. Notice what else he says, verse 4. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Hey, here's an idea. What if Christians were known for being like a good soldier not getting entangled in the menial affairs of this world. Hello. I talked about the church a little bit last week, right? When I talked about one matter, so we care. And I talked about how the church has unfortunately gotten sideways on this in the past. What if instead of being nitpicking, come on, drama-inducing, cowardly existing, and an ever-increasingly popular form of laziness called entitlement that could very well tank this great nation if we are not careful. What if we were known for hard work, hello, steadfastness, honor, integrity, valor, discipline? These are characteristics that the Bible teaches us. And then Paul says, Listen to the commanding officer. If you've been in the military, you know that when your commanding officer tells you to jump, you ask how high. You don't say, I don't feel like jumping. You, you are disciplined and you follow. I love how this commentary that I studied this week really camped out on this idea of our commanding officer. Paul's using an analogy, remember? Our commanding officer is almighty God. Right, And so this commentator says this, we have an advantage over ordinary soldiers for our commanding officer is completely what? Trustworthy. He will not abuse our loyalty to achieve selfish ends, nor is he short-sighted in his planning or lacking information about his enemies. He will keep focused on the goal of fulfilling his mission of redemption. As we obey his commands, we will be moving toward victory. That's why that song we sang before this message is so important. Everyone say discipline. Look at what verse 5 says. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown. This next part is really, really key. Except by competing according to to the what? The word that Paul is making sure we understand when it comes to this analogy of the athlete. Write it in. Take a picture of it. Obedience. Everybody say obedience. Obedience. Again, not a word that many of us like anymore. Amen. But it's a key word, right? It's this concept of obedience. Athletic contests were incredibly popular and highly valued in the New Testament day. If you go to Ephesus or you go to Rome, which I hope to take a, another trip later this year. We haven't done this in several years. Maybe you can go with me and later in 2022 or 2023. You'll, you'll come across these huge, massive stadiums in places like Ephesus Many of you have probably seen this one in Rome before, either in person or elsewhere. It's this idea 
that in Paul's age, he knew athletics. He knew what it was like to compete. And so he was making it very clear that an athlete is only going to get the reward, the prize, if he or she competes according to the rules. I put it like this in my notes. Paul's point is simply that an athlete must obey the rules in order to win the prize. Obedience still matters. Integrity still matters. Hey, the Winter Olympics is going on right now. Show of hands, honestly. How many of you have been watching it? Like a good bit, watching it a lot. That was kind of what I thought. Man, when I was a kid, everybody watched the Olympics, right? We didn't miss it. I feel like in the past, this is just a theory. I don't have any backing for this. But I feel like in the past couple quadrennials, as we've had the, the, the Olympics, you know, and then two years later, the Summer Olympics, and then the Winter Olympics, I feel like the viewership and the interest and the engagement with the Olympics has gone downhill quite a bit. And a theory, just a theory, at least it is in my spirit a little bit, I've kind of lost some interest in it because they're always catching some folks cheating. There's so much cheating going on today that I find it hard to really engage it like I used to. This idea that as we develop grit, we have to develop this thing called discipline, and then we, we get into the word, we get into the commanding officer's word, and we study it, and then we learn to be obedient. It's why I've loved Tuesdays and Thursday nights here at the church these days. I was up here just this Thursday night running into different groups of people. If you're not here now, it's okay, uh, but we'll be starting a spring semester coming soon. But there's all kinds of buzz, all kinds of activity at our church now on Tuesday nights and Thursday nights as we have groups meeting all over the campus. We even have a rooted group going on on Sunday mornings now. So you can find different groups of people in different parts of the building these days, studying the word of God and hopefully and prayerfully, right? Not just studying it, but once we learn it, we must what? Obey it. And I love what is going on around here these days. My mentor used to say, show me a Bible that is falling apart, hello, and I will show you a life that usually isn't. Christians develop grit when we get into this book and we study it and we don't just learn it here, but we apply it in our lives. And I just want to encourage you to do that. And from that, God develops grit and we learn how to handle the challenges of this world. Verse six, moving right along as we reflect on these things today. Verse six, why don't you read this one out loud with me? Ready? Go, the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Now, this is pretty straightforward. The what? Hardworking. Hardworking farmer. Everybody say discipline. Everybody say obedience. Everybody say hardworking. Hard. 
working. Now I realize we're not in a very agricultural area anymore. I think the last time I asked if we had any farmers in the church, I think two hands popped up, so I'm not even going to do it again today. But the truth is, many of you might have grown up around farms. And if you didn't grow up around a farm, we all respect farmers, do we not? Have you ever got close to a farmer and looked at his hands? Farmers are hard-working individuals. Let me show you some great images that we came by. That, that, that's a hard-working set of hands right there. There'll be a few more that come up. When I pastored a church, right when I finished um, schooling here in Durham, before uh, starting New Hope Church, I was pastoring this little country church um, out near Swepsonville, Saxbahal area. And um, there was a lot of farmers in that church. And so on a regular basis, I would come back to the parsonage. You remember those? The parsonage. And there would be vegetables on the, the, the step, the, the side step to the house with little notes. Often they, they would refer to it as their tithe. I tried to help them understand, no, 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 your tithe is not bringing the pastor vegetables to the house. But nonetheless, we enjoyed those vegetables. Farmers, farmers get up before the sun comes up. And they work really, really hard. Often they work until the sun goes down. And the word says that if we're going to learn to endure the difficulties of this world, we are going to have to embrace this concept of hard work. And again, I didn't really think about this much till I'm up here on the stage today, but we're in a series called Four Letter Words. We know this is a good word, but in our culture, these things are becoming four letter words. <laughs> well... We're a culture that doesn't really embrace discipline much anymore. We're a culture, and this, this happens in the church, we, we've lost a value, I should say, a priority on this concept of obedience. And if I might say so myself, if you'll just let me meddle for a moment in America, we're losing our work ethic as Americans we're, we're losing our place in the world because in our country, work, a good, hard, solid day's worth of work is a precious commodity that seems to be evaporating before our very eyes. Moreover, we are living in a government, and this is not Republican or Democrat. Don't go there. Don't pigeonhole me. But we're living in a day and age where our government is rewarding laziness and complacency. And so if I can stay home and be lazy and complacent and get more money than I could if I go out and work, there's a problem. And we're going to see this country continue to struggle if we don't embrace the concept of hard work. And again, I don't preach to America. I preach to the church. So what would it look like? Come on. If the church led the way in being hardworking individuals that know what it's like to roll up our sleeves and go to work for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. What would it look like for the church to model what it means to work 
hard. The word says if you're going to suffer, you've got to suffer like a hardworking farmer who is the one who should receive the first fruit of the crop. Paul is letting us know, come on church, don't forget about the farmer. Don't forget that we are called to be hard workers. Gritty Christians know we have to stop worrying about what is comfortable and complacent and we have to embrace this concept of hard work. And some of you are like, well, I just ain't feeling it, Pastor. I, uh. It's important. Colin Powell, I'm, I was a big fan of Colin Powell. Colin Powell put it like this. A dream does not become reality through magic. Hello. It takes sweat, determination, and hard work. Thomas Jefferson said, I'm a great believer in luck. <laughs> and I find that the harder I work, the more I have of it. Elon Musk said this, no matter how hard you work, someone else is working harder. Hard work beats talent if talent doesn't work hard, was said by Tim Noki. And Vidal, 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 Vidal. I'm not, a, I'm not into Vidal products, but Vidal Sassoon <laughs> says the only place where success comes before work is in the dictionary. Hello, hello. I worry, I do, about our nation and what's happening to it. But again, my focus has always been the church. So what if the church, come on, Christians, what if we led the way in discipline and obedience and hard work? And here's what would happen. We would become some of the grittiest people on planet Earth, and the world would take notice. Do not quit. Find your grit. Some of you have heard me say that before. Why don't you say it with me? Do not quit. Find your grit. Life's hard. Last week, I sat up here and really got into the nitty-gritty of it and got a little emotional about it and pleaded with so many of you to not quit. Showed that beautiful picture of Chelsea Christ, Miss America from North Carolina, who took her life. And with my voice cracking and tears welling up in my eyes, I asked you to not do it. I come back a week later letting you know that I know of a young person in this area who tried to take their life on Tuesday of this week. Ended up in ICU, and thankfully, a lot of us have been praying hard. Thankfully, she's going to make it. Tiana Spencer and I, we were, we were communicating back and forth. Y'all remember Tiana? Tiana's one of our teachers. She, she comes in and teaches here. This is Tiana. She's a great woman of God. Tiana and I were texting back and forth this week, and I saw that she put something out and I said, Tiana, can you send that to me? And so I want to share it with you. 
Tiana said this, and I, I know some of you can relate. I know I could definitely relate. Tiana said this, last year tried to kill me. Physically, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. It was brutal to say the least. And when things started falling apart so that God could put them back together correctly, I knew I needed to exit this online space. Listen closely, church. Not because I couldn't have done both, but because I didn't want to find the capacity to. I knew I needed to be in real live community with real live people who could pray with me, counsel me, hug me, and love me back to life. And that is exactly what I did. And though it was not a magic pill and all is still complicated, I am so much better for it. The past couple weeks have been peppered with suicides of public figures and some others who have decided they are just not well enough to hold space in this online world anymore. And as I look at the social media pages of those individuals, I can't help but see the painted smiles, the so-called American dreams, and perceived success that dominate their pages. And I became... So grieved, she says, to see such joy on their profiles and know that it was riddled with such despair at the same time gave way to this overwhelming feeling that this has all just become too much. Wow. The facades have become too great and the deaths are becoming too common. We just were not made for any of this. We were not made to live in spotlights. We were not made to be eaten alive in comments sections. We were not made to inhale the details of everyone's lives as if it were the actual oxygen we need to breathe. We simply cannot sustain it. And though each of those stories has their own details, we may never know it seems like collectively we are coming to a breaking point. Friends, we were made for more, she says. We were made to be able, listen, we were made to be able to sit in living rooms across from real humans and weep over our deepest pain. We were made to have authentic relationships that can love us in our darkest valleys and our mountain peaks, not just our phone screens. We were made to be able to commune with the Father away from all the noise that the world and social media bring. We were made for more. And I'm afraid that if we don't start going after it, the soul will only get heavier and the death toll higher. She ends with this. And she knew I was going to share it with you. She loves new hope. So friends, for the good of your soul and humanity, log off. Go to lunch with someone and don't take out your phone to post about it. Open your Bible. Write in a journal. Mind your own business but just get off this app and breathe real human air away from it. 
And to my friends who are struggling, I'm begging you to reach out to someone, which is what I did last week, right? Do the incredibly hard thing of asking for help. You are too valuable to suffer alone. Find a Bible teaching, loving community and be a part of it. Just tell somebody, please, you don't have to do it alone and you were not created to. You were created for more. You know, so many things have changed in our world in the last couple of years. And so many things have changed in our church. And I just feel led in this moment. This is not even in my notes. I feel led just to go here for just a moment. This is one of the things that excites me about the changes we've made in the last year. To be able to move from being stretched so thin and bless some communities with embracing the idea of them just being a church that, that takes territory for the kingdom where they can find this authentic community that Tiana is talking about and that we're so longing for here at New Hope. To be able to move towards the beauty the sheer beauty of what it looks like, what it means to be the local church where relationships are deep, where we really love one another and we serve one another and we realize none of us, me included, can do it alone. We all need solitude, but let me tell you something, the enemy will take you out with isolation. So what would it look like in this season that is before us, for us to develop this thing called grit. Yes, some people are born grittier than others, but oh my, you can develop, you can cultivate, you can nurture grit in your life. Paul says very clearly, here's how you do it. Remember a good soldier and learn to embrace discipline again. Remember an athlete and compete according to the rules with obedience. And don't ever forget the hardworking farmer because with hard work comes the desires of your heart, the deepest desires of what you're longing for anyway. And as we do, Paul would end it in 2 Timothy 4a, let's end the message today with this verse. Because this is, this is what awaits those who have grit. Those who are born again. Those who follow Christ. Ready, go. Now there is in store for me. Come on, church. What? The crown of righteousness. Which the righteous Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me but also to all who have longed for his appearing. If you look forward to it, let me hear you praise the Lord. In store for me the crown of righteousness. Yes, this world is hard. Yes, we have to learn to endure suffering. None of us like that, but that is the world in which we live. But if you have grit 
and you keep Christ front and center, oh my Lord, there will come a day when you will see him face to face. There will come a day when you will stand before your God and he will look at you. And though your sins are many, the Bible says Jesus will be at the right hand of God the Father and Jesus will say, Father, that one's mine. That one's mine. They have accepted what I did for them on the cross. That one's mine. Well done. Come on in and receive your crown of righteousness. Keep your eyes on the prize. There awaits a glory that will blow our minds. Amen? Amen. You receive it? Come on, church. You receive it? Father, I pray for grittiness all over this place. God, these are days that require it. And I thank you, Lord, that I'm speaking to some of the most gritty people on the planet, those who have gathered and those who are online. Fathers, we get ready to sing an amazing song about you being a God of revival. God, I ask that that revival would take place, would manifest itself in our lives, oh God, as we embody grit for the sake of your kingdom, for your glory, for the place that we will see you one day face to face. Father God, lift our eyes towards heaven from whence our help comes. We long for the day, oh God, when we will see you face to face, when we will see loved ones who have passed from this world, oh God, when we will walk the streets of gold where the Bible says there will be no weeping, no tears. There will be no sun, S-U-N, because the sun, S-O-N, will illuminate heaven. Father, we long for that day. Keep our eyes fixed on the prize, oh God. And until you call us home, until we encounter you and we hear those words one day, God, may we be some of the grittiest people on planet earth. And from our grittiness and our integrity, from our discipline, from our hard work, from our obedience, may the world take notice and may more people be drawn to your son, Jesus. We love you, we honor you, we praise you this day. And all of those who love God said together, amen. amen. And amen.